For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. I'll start off with you, Randy. How are you doing this morning? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing fantastic and Jake, how's the morning treating you? Feeling great, Jeff. Thanks for asking. Glad to hear it. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. The work week is behind us, unless you're one of those weekend warriors. I was a weekend warrior for a lot of years, in which case, uh, happy work day to you. But for most of us, we are enjoying a great weekend here in the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri. Well, today's show is going to be a theme show, guys, and we're going to be calling this The Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. And this is going to be a really important show because, you know, around here when those big storms hit sometimes, I know you've seen them in Randy and Jake. You'll drive along and you'll see this great big giant tree. It looks hardy and healthy and it looks like just nothing could blow it over, but it's over on its side. And you look at the bottom of it and you go, wow, this great big old tree has been there about 80 years or so, but these are some really shallow roots. And that is the reason why that tree blew over. And if you make the analogy of that tree being your financial portfolio, and you think of these seven steps as being the roots, if any one of these roots is not strong enough, your financial portfolio, or in other words, your financial tree, could blow over on its side. So today we're going to explore these seven steps and walk our, our listeners through what these seven steps are. So let's start off with number one. It's a lifestyle plan. I think before you even get into thinking about retirement, you've got to really think about your lifestyle and design a plan to fit your particular lifestyle because everybody's lifestyle is not the same. Yeah, that's for sure, Jeff. You know, it's funny that you started off with the tree analogy here because when we uh, bought this building we're currently in years back, there were some really tall trees on the east side of the building and they looked nice and they had, you know, they were really tall. I mean, I think these things were almost 80 feet, right. a couple of them. And so we were looking at these trees and thinking, well, you know, they look pretty good. But the guy came out and looked and he said, you know, those trees are hollow inside. Wow. We said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah. And and you know, one of those could fall, and it was it was close enough to the road, Jeff. It could have fallen onto the road oh and maybe my. onto a car. Oh my gosh! So this analogy that you're talking about about how maybe someone's lifestyle may be built, or how their portfolio may be built, or how their retirement plan may be is really relevant. I mean, you just can't tell by looking just on the surface sometimes. You've got to get underneath it, which is, of course, one of the things we always talk about when people come in here, and that is, you know, discovering where they are and what's important to them and, you know, what does a retirement lifestyle mean to them. Exactly. And I think of lifestyle portfolio. When I think of a lifestyle portfolio, I think of a portfolio building a financial portfolio that will sustain your particular lifestyle and everybody's lifestyle is not going to be the same. Does that present challenges or is it just part of the discovery process when you sit down with people to find out really what they want to do in their retirement lifestyle? I think it's part of the discovery process, but I also think that lifestyle plays into some of the younger years of saving for retirement too, right? You know, Jeff, it's possible to spend any amount of income 
as income comes in and you know you start off maybe at 10 bucks an hour or 15 bucks an hour when you're 18 mm -hmm. and then you work your way up the food chain and you know if you're not careful you can continue to spend every dollar that comes in even if that number is two or three hundred thousand a year you can still spend it i can promise you yeah and so you have to kind of learn to pay yourself first which which is partially a lifestyle decision right because you're making a decision to not go spend that extra dollar and every dollar that you don't spend when you're 20 is like 10 to 20 dollars at retirement you know it's a huge huge difference and so I think when I think about lifestyle, I think about, you know, maybe pairing it back just a little bit in the earlier days, and that'll really pay dividends later in life. And I had to chuckle there a little bit. I chuckled to myself. I don't know if Randy was chuckling, but <laughs> Randy Jake was talking about, you know, you got your first job. It was like 10, 12 bucks an hour. My first job was not 10 or 12 bucks an hour. Do you remember what you made at the Floyd General store there in the feed store? Well, let me tell you, I remember that when I went to work, the minimum wage was $1.64. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. My first job was five fifty an hour. Wow. So, um, you know, I was just trying to be a little bit relatable for some of the people uh, that, are, that, are, that are also not 60 years old yet. But yes, I do think all things are relative, but you can certainly spend any amount of money. I mean, there's, there's lots of mega wealthy people out there that are always waiting for the 15th of the month. There's a concept out there, Jeff, that, and, and let me tell you, you know, I am one of these that, you know, when we grew up, we had everything we needed, but we didn't have a lot of extra, right? Right. And so when I got my first bicycle, you know, it was, and I didn't know any different. Dad took me down. We went, we went down to a salvage yard and we found a bike frame mm -hmm. and, you know, we went to put tires on it and put a new seat and put some handlebars on it, you know, and some grips and I got to paint it, you know, so I painted my first bike as well. But to me, I didn't realize that. I mean, yeah, the guy, the kid down the street had the uh, Schwinn, uh, you know, uh, Apple. <laughs> right. What do they call it? Cherry, cherry crate or Apple? Yeah. Or whatever they were. Yep. And they were a couple of hundred bucks back oh, then. Yeah. You know. So one of the things I was going to talk about here that kind of leads to this is delayed gratification. You know, is mm -hmm. one of those things that's not practiced very much these days. Of course, with all the marketing and everything that's always pelting all of us. You know, spending money is a consumptive lifestyle. Is you know what we're taught at this point in time. But uh, learning, like Jake said, to pay yourself first and having a little bit of delayed gratification and actually getting a little bit of a nest egg started is something that people need to do. And once they do, I find that they become increasingly more vigilant about their spending. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about the seven steps to sustain yourself for a 30-year retirement. We're talking about the lifestyle plan. When I think about the lifestyle plan, I also think about a lifestyle portfolio. So what is that? I mean, that's the big picture view of all your assets, and it considers everything with a dollar sign next to it. And I think the purpose of a lifestyle portfolio and this lifestyle plan is to position yourself and your wealth to follow the rules to sustain wealth. And if I had to give you rules to sustain wealth, it would be to prepare your wealth so it supports your quality of life, to prioritize your wealth so it fulfills its purpose, and then to plan your wealth so the odds are going to be in your favor. Prepare, prioritize, and plan. So basically the discovery process really talks about what a lifestyle plan is and that is so, so important. The next one is once we've decided what your lifestyle plan is and we've sort of uh, taken inventory of what you've got because pretty much what you've got now when you're going into retirement is almost all you're ever going to have. The next step is going to be a growth plan. And we talk about this uh, with our clients in terms of how do we make this nest egg grow? So how do we approach that in the planning process? 
So, Jeff, when people come in to see us, I think sometimes uh, everybody's a little bit guarded when they come in and they're afraid of, you know, maybe they're, uh, we often hear this comment, well, I may not have enough money for you to work with. Let me tell you something. Uh, Everybody's money is important, and whatever you've saved is, it's important that we are able to protect and grow that money so that you can have what? You can have income to support a lifestyle in retirement. So growth is very important, and one of the things we always talk to people about is, you know, their capacity to take risk, how they feel about risk, and, you know, what kind of growth do they need to sustain their lifestyle. Uh, And then we have to kind of meet people in the middle uh, with a plan that is comfortable for them and something that they can see. And then, of course, we want to maintain that looking forward. But growth is important, so I guess what I'm saying is it's important to take risk, but not too much risk, and it's also important... You know, if you're not going to take too much risk, not to get too conservative either, because, you know, looking back over our shoulder with low interest rates and things as they were in the past, it was hard for people in a real conservative portfolio to grow their money. I think also a lot of it has to do with your timing, right? Like what point are you at during your walk here to and through retirement? So, you know, maybe you're five years out from retirement. Your your growth plan is going to be very different five years out from retirement than if you're already retired and you're starting to take money out. And that, that kind of leads us into the third step. But I think when it comes to growing the money, like Randy said, we need to take enough risk to where we're going to get a decent return on our investment. You know, we, what we don't want to do is just leave it in a checking account right. and make nothing. Even if you're very conservative and you can even make 2 or 3% over a long period of time, that ma- that makes a huge difference, right? Obviously, we'd like to make something more, you know, 6, 7, 8%, but, you know, a lot of that has to do with risk tolerance and, and your goals and how much money you've saved and that kind of thing. But growing the money is absolutely imperative before and during retirement. And I think that right now really is an excellent time for our listeners to really review their portfolios and review their allocations. I mean, chances are you've got a significant percentage of assets under risk. And, you know, you've got to determine what your risk tolerance is. That is your ability to sleep at night versus your risk capacity. And I think risk capacity is something that you help people with there at Floyd Financial Group because they can be two different things, risk tolerance versus risk capacity. So it's risk versus protected and figuring out what really works for you. And remember, growth is good. However, too much of a good thing can cause problems, especially in a down market. We're talking about the seven steps to sustain wealth here with Randy and uh, Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. And if you're listening to this conversation and you're saying to yourself, you know, I'd really like to retire. I'd like to make my retire better, have an optimal retirement, but I'm not sure that I know how to do that properly. Well, Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group are offering you the opportunity. Sit down with them and go over your financial roots to see how strong they really are. You really think that the financial roots of your financial portfolio tree are deep enough to sustain you for possibly 30 years in retirement. Remember, people are living well into their 80s and their 90s, and who knows, 100 could be very commonplace in the years to come, too. Well, if you don't know the answer to that, possibly the answers are with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group, and guess what? It doesn't cost you anything to get them. It is a complimentary consultation to find out how deep your roots are. Call 417-889-7233 to set up your consultation. 417-889-7233. No cost, no obligation, and no judgment. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. 
Are you giving your Social Security dollars back to the government? It happens every day to people who don't have an effective Social Security strategy. The right plan for accessing your Social Security benefits can mean tens of thousands of dollars to you and your spouse's retirement income. Don't make the costly mistake of being unprepared in retirement. Call Floyd Financial Group now for a free Social Security optimization report. Take advantage of proven strategies to help maximize your Social Security benefits. Call 877-889-PLAN today to learn more. 877-889-7526. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm Jake, and I'm here with Randy. And in this segment, we're going to talk about the third of seven steps to a successful retirement. That is right, Jake. And we're talking about the seven steps to a successful retirement. That is the theme to our show today. And the next one is going to be a protection plan. You know, Warren Buffett, I don't know, is known for his uh, pithy quotes, but he did say, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. (laughs) I don't know what that has to do with a protection plan, but I kind of make the correlation there a little bit. So, you know, you've saved, you've invested, you've done the risk. You know, you're a young person. You went into the markets, you won, you lost, and hopefully you came out ahead. And we talked about this risk tolerance your ability to sleep at night versus risk capacity, what you can take. Those are two different things, but I think when it comes down to it, you want to protect what you've got. You don't want to lose anything while you're trying to gross. So let's talk about that. Do you think that most people are too risky or maybe not taking enough risk to have a good growth plan when they get into retirement? You know, Jeff, that's a really good question. And I think to answer that, we have to go maybe a little different way around that. So a lot of folks, when they come in to see us, you know, they've been exposed to their 401k plan, their 403b plan, or their 457 plan, if they work for a government, something like that. And for the most part, they have been investing in mutual funds their entire investing career. And so I've often heard people say, well, you know, I'm in mutual funds. I'm protected, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, not necessarily, you know. So I guess it's one of those things where part of the protection aspect that we have to look at versus growth and all that is, you know, now that you're getting ready to retire, you're not going to have other cash flow. And people realize this, but they don't really realize it down deep that here I am, I've arrived at the destination or the so-called destination of retirement, right? And how do I now change from the workaday world mm-hmm. where I had other income coming in? It didn't matter really what happened to my investments on a daily basis because I didn't need them then. And now all of a sudden we're at a point to where now we're relying upon Social Security and what I have saved for my very existence and persistence. And so all of a sudden, we have to really look back over our shoulder and look at what does it mean when we have a 2001 and 2? Mm-hmm. What does it mean when we have a 2007, 8, and 9? What does it do to you when a pandemic rolls through and we have a 32% down month? You know, what do those things do to you? And all of a sudden, we've got to look at protection and how we grow money. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got to grow money, but we've got to protect it at the same time. And so it's a little different take than what people have been used to. And also we have to really kind of go in and open up what investments they have and really look at them for what they are and determine if they're positioned properly. And Randy, what are some examples of investments that you could make that are really principal protected but do have a little bit of growth? What are those tools in your portfolio and your toolbox that you use to achieve that end goal? 
Sure. So those are ever-changing asset classes, right? So, you know, looking back over our shoulder from 1981 through August of 2020, if we bought into bonds back in the 80s, you know, we made great money. And since interest rates were always falling, we could sell those bonds for more than we paid. Then, of course, we got to where uh, interest rates had flattened out, and now interest rates are going back the other way. So any bonds that you owned, you know, over the last three or four years, a lot of those got devalued, especially the last year or two. You know, even though you had a good maybe coupon payment on those, you still lost money. So there was really not much protection in bonds. Also, over the years, as we talked about earlier, we've seen where the stock market is, you know, can be way up. It can be way down. And so I I guess when we look at interest rates right now, you know, short-term interest rates pay pretty good. So that's a much different scenario than people have been used to. Markets, you know, are pretty volatile right now. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen with the economy. Where does the interest rate hike change? And I guess the reason I'm going down this path, uh, protecting money is not as easy as going, okay, I'm going to do this. Now I'm protected. I'm going to go live life for the next 35 years. I mean, it's just not quite that simple. I w- you know, some days I wish it were, right? Right. But it's really not. So protecting money, we're going to use all asset classes to protect and grow money. It's just we're going to try to find the appropriate one for that time. So we're going to use everything from money market accounts. We may use certain types of bond funds in the, in the future. We may use dividend-paying portfolios with stocks in there. You know, we may one day think that a preferred stock is something we would use. I don't know that we would, but, you know, you, might, you never know what you might use. You know, there's just all different. We, can, we could use annuities. We could use CDs at some point if interest rates stay high. Right. Uh, there's just so many different ways to go there. But it's a blending of asset classes that are going to give us the ability to grow money as well as protect it to the downside. And finding that perfect mix for each uh, couple or individual is really what we're after. And I think you said something very important there, a blending of asset classes. We're not talking about jumping into just bonds or just this or just that. It's all about diversity. And, you know, when we're talking about a protection plan, I think about the protection plan that I have personally. I've got protection on my car. I have protection on my home. I have protection on my life. And they all come from insurance companies and annuities. Those are insurance products, so they can protect you. But I think a lot of people think, well, annuities are great at protecting me, but they don't offer any growth. And in the end, I'm just going to be losing out to inflation. Can you realistically fight that silent killer inflation or at least put a dent in that with annuities? Yes, Jeff. There's many different types of annuities. And, you know, annuities are not where somebody, all their money belongs. But in many cases, it's appropriate to have some annuity money out there from the protectionist standpoint. I'll never forget when I first got into this business about 23 years ago. I sat down with a guy because when you come into this industry, you have to kind of be sponsored by someone, if you will, to be able to go take the securities exam and get through Mm -hmm. all that. And so I went in to see this guy, and he had been in the business like 30 years, you know, so uh, obviously very successful, knew what he was doing. It was kind of funny, you know, I grew up in the 80s in business. Uh, You know, IBM, what was it? You know, well, you wear a blue suit with a white shirt and a red tie, (laughs) right? There you go, yeah. That was the IBMers, uh, you know, (laughs) dress for success. And you may remember that, and a lot of people listening may remember that. Oh, yeah. So I grew up in the 80s with that kind of thing. So I go in and I sit down with this guy. He props his feet up on the table. He had on a pair of dirty tennis shoes and sweats. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget that. I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this? You know, I mean, I mean, so anyway, 
he sits down and he says, "We you know, he says, I'll help you get you sponsored and all that, but I'm going to tell you right now, unless you're willing to insure some of your client's money, we won't have anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a good point there, you know, that we insure all those things in life that are important to us, our cars, our homes, our life, our health, you know, all of those things. And so he said, why wouldn't you insure a portion of your money? Of course. And, uh, you know, I have to say that I feel like he's right in many cases. You know, there are people that are purely stock market purists. There are those that, boy, I've always done bonds. There are those people that say, I've always done CDs. I'll never do anything else. A lot of those people got converted into the market over the last few years as, you know, interest rates were so, so low, they couldn't make a living otherwise. But I guess where I'm going with all this is that there is a blending. There is a a mixture of asset classes that do make sense. In many cases, that does include some insurance on part of our assets that we want to make sure we don't lose that money and we can still grow it and get income so that we can sustain our lifestyle. So, Randy, Jake, we've talked about a lifestyle plan. We've talked about a growth plan, a protection plan. I want to dive into the one that kind of scares me the most, and that is a tax plan. I don't think any financial portfolio is complete without a plan for paying taxes. So let's dive into that a little bit. How do you design a financial portfolio taking taxes into consideration? Yeah. So Jeff, it depends on uh, several things. You know, what does their retirement portfolio look like? How much of it is 401k money? How much of it, you know, is qualified funds, IRAs, whatever it may be, 403b, 457. How much of that is money that they've saved on their own outside of a retirement plan, maybe in a brokerage account somewhere, or maybe they got a big savings account somewhere. Maybe they got CDs. You know, all those assets have different tax qualifications. Also, if they have money that is outside a retirement account, we have options to restructure and change how those investments work and how they work for taxability. I will say this, though. For the most part, people coming in today have purely retirement assets, 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, that sort of thing which mostly has never been taxed. So it's not Roth IRAs, it's money that's all been funded pre-tax. That makes it a little bit more difficult to mitigate taxes. So for those people that are listening today, if you're 10 years or more out from retirement, or even maybe five, and you want to convert some of that money to where you can get it to where it might be a non-taxable setup for you through a Roth IRA or something like that, you should start that process now. You should talk to whoever you want to talk to, us, we're happy to help with that to really start to take some of that money out of the pre-tax account into a post-tax account where you can maybe help control some of your taxation later. I'm not saying it's always right for everybody, depending on what income level you have right now. And, you know, if if you're in the 40% tax bracket right now, probably doesn't make any sense for you to convert money to to an you know an IRA a Roth IRA mm-hmm. it might be that it might make sense for a little bit of your money if you have the option at work to take some of that money and divide it up between the Roth IRA and a traditional but again you know looking at taxation just depending on what people have do they have rental property do they have a farm are they going to continue to farm all of these different things how much is your social security and how much of that retirement paycheck each month is social security because You know, we get a little tax break on Social Security, depending on how much money you have. You may pay zero, you know, on Social Security. It might be that half your Social Security could be taxed as much as 85% 
of your Social Security can be subject to tax. Not that you're going to pay 85% tax, but it could be subject to tax depending on what your income is. You know, there's just many, many things. If you have a pension, a state-funded pension, you know, up to 100 grand, you don't pay state tax. That's a 5% savings. So as we start really looking at all of these moving parts and pieces, everybody's situation is different, and we have to really sit down and figure out what a good tax plan strategy is for them. Also, if people retire right now, you know, before uh, age 65, we have to figure out the health insurance piece. And many times when we start looking at that, it can make sense to spend a little bit more money out of savings, maybe not retirement accounts, maybe just a savings account to get you to age 65. There's just so many moving parts there. It's just an individualized plan. And I would just encourage people to call us and we'll sit down and we can really you know, bring that into focus for them. And as we've said, uh, of course, many times this show, taxes will probably be your most significant expense in retirement. And I really think effective tax planning could be one of the most cost-efficient ways to maximize your wealth. I mean, the less you pay, the more you keep. You can't control the market, but you can control your tax minimization strategies. Rule of thumb here, I've always said this, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. The theme of our show today, Seven Steps to a successful retirement, roots deep enough that will sustain you for 30 or more years. And once again, if you'd like to sit down with Randy and Jake and talk about your individual situation, make sure that your financial roots are deep enough to sustain you in your retirement, a retirement in which you not only survive, but also thrive. Call 417-889-7233 for your no-cost, no-obligation, and no-judgment financial review. 417-889-7233. You can also request your review online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Thank you so much for joining us here this Saturday morning with Randy and Jake. My name's Jeff Shade. We're going to take a real quick break and be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you want to retire anytime soon, there are three factors that will affect your finances. The stock market, the economy, and tomorrow's tax bill. No one knows what the future may bring, but we do know that now is the time to have a plan and people you can trust to help guide you. At Floyd Financial Group, we focus on those nearing or already in retirement for times just like these. We've seen them bumpy times before and we'll see them again. And we remain cautious and prudent for today, but optimistic about tomorrow. To request a complimentary consultation, visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the dreaded health care expense. Oh, boy. Everybody knows about that. Abraham Lincoln said in the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. And I think that's a very good way to kick off this segment talking about health care. You know, being healthy in retirement, it is so, so important or in your later years because, you know, I know it's a cliche, but if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything And I have most of my life been very healthy, you know, a little bit of a cold at this point in time. So I understand that completely. So let's talk about that. You know, health care can be expensive and a lot of people are ill prepared to pay for health care and long term care. So let's dive into that a little bit. You know, I think a lot of people say, well, I've got Medicare. That's going to cover me completely. And then if that fails, I've got Medicaid. But really, both of those or either one of those don't 100 percent cut it, do they? 
Right, that's true. You know, the the thing to, to think about, I guess, is we hit age 65, and of course we get Medicare like we've just kind of alluded to here, Jeff. For the most part, you know, Medicare was designed to help us get over things that are more acute, things we're going to recover from. Right. And, you know, with some rare exceptions, I mean, we have some people once in a while that'll come down with Oh my goodness, you know, something way out of the ordinary where it takes experimental medicine and things of that nature that can really create some, you know, debt or expense. But for the most part, Medicare, whether you have an Advantage plan or you have a supplement plan, does a pretty good job of taking care of us that way. But where we really get into trouble, again, is if we need some type of experimental medicine or if we get into something that's going to be more long-term in nature. I mean, one of the things, you know, that plagues a lot of people right now is, you know, diabetes across the country here. And we've seen that it's grown and grown and grown and become a bigger and bigger part. And so there's some, you know, during, while that doesn't necessarily require long-term care proper, I mean, it does require care long-term. And some of those insulin products and things can be pretty expensive. And so healthcare is something we really have to think about whenever we get ready to retire. But for the most part, Medicare does a pretty good job for the acute stuff. But the long-term care issue is the one that gets really, really expensive. You know, right here around Springfield, I would say, you know, the average monthly income for retirees is, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a broad base here. I'm going to say somewhere between four and $7,000 per month is kind of what I'm, so 48, maybe 50,000 to maybe $84,000 a year. Now there's exceptions to that where people have quite a bit more than that, but I'm telling you the average person right around here is living on that amount. So all of a sudden, if we need assisted living or if we need long-term care in a nursing home, that sort of thing, to the tune of an additional, you know, four to $7,000 a month, all of a sudden people can have a real dent in their retirement plan. So it's very important that we address this healthcare issue. And we always do here. Anytime we sit down with somebody new, one of the questions we ask them, you know, what's your thoughts about long-term care? Are you concerned about it? Have you experienced anybody, you know, that's had it? So had a situation where they had to spend a lot of money or maybe even their life savings on taking care of another person. It does bring to mind, I had a client that we... I don't know, it's probably been 15 years ago that we started with, and he told me the story that his mom spent all the money they had saved Mm -hmm. taking care of dad because they didn't really have any other plan or any other way to pay for it. And so a lot of people know that in our health, our situation here at Floyd Financial Group, we have a person that deals with long-term care issues. And uh, people say, well, how often you know, do people really get in a situation where they need help with that? Well, let me just say that looking back over my shoulder here, just the last two weeks, we've had four or five people that have come to us in that situation where we had to help them make moves to protect right. family farms, to protect IRAs for the person staying at home, to protect all that nest egg that they had worked for for many years so that their spouse could get the appropriate amount of care that they need and yet not bankrupt both people at the same time. And to uh, back up here a little bit, if you are 65, if you do have Medicare, of course, Medicare is going to cover a lot of it. It does not cover everything, however. 
And uh, I did want to distinguish something or help people out here. Randy, if you can help me explain this, but you mentioned an Advantage plan versus a supplement plan. Now, I have a supplement plan. It is the Plan G that I pay a monthly premium for, for my wife and I, and it's supposed to cover everything that Medicare doesn't cover. But before that, I had an Advantage plan. And towards open enrollment period, you'll see these commercials for the Advantage plan. So can you distinguish a little bit about a supplement plan versus an Advantage plan and why someone may want to use one versus the other? So when you turn 65 and you sign up for Medicare Part A and B, there's a charge for Medicare Part B. But in addition to that, if you buy a supplement plan or a Medigap plan, you're going to pay an additional premium for that, as well as a Part D as in dog drug card that you'll have to attach to that uh, to have your coverage. The thing is, you're going to pay premiums for your Medicare supplement plan. And beyond that, anybody that takes Medicare, you're pretty well covered without any co-payments or anything. The Advantage plan, on the other hand, all you do is you pay your Part B as in boy Medicare premium, and you don't generally pay a premium. There's some exceptions, but you don't generally pay any premium for the Advantage plan, and most of those have a drug card embedded in them. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you pay co-payments for things as you go versus, like I said before, the supplement. You've paid the premium monthly, and you don't pay co-payments as you go along. In both cases, there is extra expense for potential prescription drugs and that sort of thing, whether you have the Part D drug card that supports the supplement plan or the embedded drug card for, you know, the Medicare Advantage plan. And, you know, you had alluded that you have a G plan. Right. Uh, you alluded to that. And I have a Medicare Advantage plan. Mm -hmm. And so everybody has a different take on it. The Advantage plans, while you don't pay premium, you can have a maximum of up to around three or $4,000 annually out of pocket on co-pays as well as drugs, whereas the supplement plan, you don't pay any co-pays as you go, but you pay their premium each month. So it's just two different ways of looking at healthcare. I would say this, if you are someone that tends to have a lot of healthcare issues mm -hmm. or you have some going into this, it's probably better for you to take a supplement plan right. as you can always switch later to an Advantage plan, but many times you cannot go back the other way because they will underwrite you and exclude right. health conditions. Right. And I had an advantage plan. And because my wife has health care conditions, I mean, we had to examine this. And I, as I said, because I did have the advantage plan, I had to switch or I wanted to switch to the supplement. So yes, I had to be underwritten. And basically the supplement plan for my wife and I, because of her conditions, really just made it a little more predictable. But again, what is right for you is something that you really got to sit down and talk to somebody who knows. Let's touch on Medicaid here a little bit, Randy. And, you know, I have a, a, a lovely lady in my neighborhood here, a, a dear neighbor, and she's up there in years and she's in assisted living and she sometimes will come home and visit her home. It's a, it's a small, modest home, but really that's all she has. She's not going to be able to do that much longer, but it runs into the situation where she's on Medicaid at this point because she's exhausted all of her other resources, but she really, and the family doesn't want to lose this home that she's had for so many years. So let's talk about how you might protect the family farm from Medicaid and uh, the uh, TEFRA lien that you've talked about before. Sure. So, you know, in 2006, we did our first Medicaid case. And so we've been doing this for a while now. So we've been through lots of planning techniques and things. But basically, the 
the basics of what works today is many times we will use a type of asset protection trust to put assets into to protect them against the cost of skilled nursing that Medicaid may pay for. I want to be clear on this, that Medicaid does not really pay for home health care for somebody that's, that's on a that's status is long-term care. They really don't pay much. I mean, it's very, very minuscule what they will pay for assisted living, but they will pay for a semi-private room Mm -hmm. in a skilled nursing facility. Now, there's qualifications that you have to meet to get Medicaid to pay for those services. So one of the things that we do when we look at people's assets and what their setup is, we look at all the different ways that people can pay for long-term care, Medicaid being one of those. But the four ways are out of the hip pocket, which is not the way I recommend. Mm -hmm. Number two is if you're a veteran, there may be some veterans benefits that could help you and help you with not only skilled nursing, but home health care as well as assisted living. There's also some type of long-term care insurance, and there's many different types of long-term care insurance these days that people can use. The biggest problem I had with traditional long-term care insurance is it generally, the price went up, 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 and many times priced people out of the market about the time they needed it. Today, there are better programs out there because we can set those things up. They don't change ever, and if we don't use it for long-term care, the assets pass on to our beneficiaries, which I like that set up much better. But for Medicaid purposes, what we have to do if we if we aren't able to insure and we don't have the money to pay otherwise and we're wanting to preserve maybe uh, rental properties, family farms, whatever that may be, vacation homes, even your personal home, we use a type of asset protection trust here. We don't do them. Attorneys do those. I want to be clear that we're not practicing law without a license. We would never do that, but we do understand the ins and outs of Medicaid planning and have a whole division of the company that's called Elder Care Advisors that is actually geared to that with the support of an elder law attorney. And from what I understand, Randy, tell me if I'm wrong, that Medicaid can come back on the estate to sort of try to recoup some of the funds that they've spent with something called a TEFRA lien, and that's what you're preventing. Yeah, so basically what it amounts to, yes, we can prevent that provided we have enough time to get it done. Okay. It's important, you know, when I was in the military, there was these things, uh, there was there were these things called the five Ps, and that's proper prior planning prevents poor performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it was something, sort of like that. Something yeah. like that. A few more choice words than that. But anyway, yeah. the long and the short of it is if we can get ahead of this game, we can really do a lot to protect assets against the cost of long-term care, but we want to start the planning now. But the Tefralin basically says this, the state of Missouri, when they start to pay Medicaid benefits, I should say, there's two types of Medicaid benefits. There's spend down Medicaid, which is for people that are not necessarily confined to a nursing home that have low income and chronic health conditions, where they spend down a certain amount of their money each month, and then Medicaid picks up the balance. And then there's what's called vendor Medicaid, V-E-N-D-O-R, Medicaid, which basically is designed for skilled nursing. So when we look at vendor Medicaid, they will keep track. The state of Missouri will keep track of what they have spent. And then when that person dies, they're going to go out and look for real estate is the first thing they look for. And they're going to attach what's called a TEF lien, and that's short for the Tax Equitability and Financial Responsibility Act that basically says, hey, we're going to be first in line to get paid when that property is sold when your beneficiaries sell it, we're going to get our money back before they get anything. So we want to try to prevent that if possible, because, you know, uh, real estate's easy for them to find. It's public record and uh, make no mistake, they will do it. Yeah. And timing is everything. Don't wait until the uh, person in my case, in my 
story is already in the nursing home before you discuss this. Uh, time is of the essence, so make your plan for that. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. The theme of our show this week is the seven steps to a successful retirement. We're going to tie it all up in a bow for you in the next segment. But in the meantime, if you'd like to sit down with Randy and Jake and talk about your financial plan as if it were a tree that could blow over in a storm, you know we're in a financial storm right now. Make sure your financial roots are deep enough. You can find that out by sitting down with Randy and Jake and asking your questions and getting the answers to design a plan that will sustain you and your wealth and your retirement for possibly 30 years. To get your plan at no cost, no obligation, and no judgment, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back to wrap it all up right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Nowadays, 401ks are a part of life. Chances are you or your spouse have a current one or even an old one that's tied to some long-forgotten job. I'm Randy Floyd of the Floyd Financial Group here to ask you an important question about your 401k. Do you know your options, your fees, and if you're maxing out the benefits? If you want to know more about your 401k inside and out, call 877-889-PLAN for a complimentary review. That's 877-889-7526 or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about gifting and what role that may play during your retirement years. And if you've got extra funds after calculating how much it'll take to sustain the quality of life that you want, you might want to consider a gift plan. But I think it's so important, Randy and Jake, to remember that you only want to gift what you can afford to gift. I think some people think, well, you know, my children, uh, they need gifts. And so I'm going to gift them. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to buy them a house. I'm going to bail them out of every little problem that they get into. And I'm just going to gift them all this money at the expense of our ability to continue to live. And you don't want to do that because it not only hurts you, it hurts them. But if you do want a gift, there are more ways to gift than just giving cash. So I want to explore that a little bit with you guys today. Let's start off with some of the ways that I can gift without actually giving cash. So, Jeff, let's back up just a little bit. And for those people that do want to give cash, and most of your beneficiaries and your people that you know would not, you know, forego any cash uh, <laughs> giving that you would want to do. Yeah. But there's some confusion around this point. So I, I want to talk about this just for a moment. So people say, well, now, what is the limit on what I can give each year? Is it 15000 Is it 14000 Is it 10000 Of course, it changes a little bit nearly every year and has over the years. But here's the thing. You can give away pretty much any amount of money that you want to each year. The $15,000 magical number that's out there says this. If you are going to give away more than $15,000 to any one person, you need to file a gift tax return, and, and that's a Form 709. And the reason they want you to do that is the government says, you know what, right now under rule, and it, it varies all the time, 
uh, you can give away roughly $11 million per person. If you are in a household where you're married today, so you can give away $22 million if you wanted to. And you can file a gift tax return, and the people that you give the money to will not pay taxes. If you've liquidated assets that you have gains in, you will pay those taxes to liquidate and pass that money, but they will not. Now, if you're going to gift somebody an IRA later in life, they're going to pay the taxes on that. But just gifting straight up, that $15,000 limit just simply says, hey, that's the threshold that I get to where I have to file a gift tax return. So if you're a husband and wife and you wanted to give $30,000 to your son, guess what? You can do that and you don't have to file a gift tax return. If you're going to go north of that, you can do that. Each person has their own lifetime exemption for estate tax is what that's called. So just to kind of clarify that point there a little bit about how giving things to people, you know, how you can do that and and what tax consequence it actually has. Now, back to what you were saying earlier, do we always want to give people everything that they need? Well, it's kind of like the Federal Reserve in our country. Yeah, yeah. I I knew we were going to talk about that. (laughs) if, if If we continually can go back and get more, that's what we kind of tend to do, isn't it? And so, uh, and and where do you draw the line, you know, between uh, who's worthy and what's worthy and who's not, right? It's kind of what, uh, what ends up happening there. But as far as gifting goes, if people are looking to set up a gifting program while they're alive, and I certainly understand that to a degree, like you alluded to, you have to really make sure that you're going to be able to withstand all types of financial weather once you've made the gift. Once in a while, we have people come in and their situation is such as to where they did let the emotion of their family member needing money overcome their practicality, and they've gotten to a point now to where they've loaned out a quarter million dollars to their kids to start a business or something, and I'm not against anybody's kids or anything like that, or against people, you know, building businesses, and then that money is not coming back, and mom and dad now are, are in dire straits. And now it's actually creating friction in the family because mom and dad can't live. The person they loaned the money to is in trouble in business. And so mm-hmm. it really has, it's, there's some gear grinding going on there. So I always just tell people, you know, you need to be careful with what you do and what you give. Not that I want to keep anybody from doing anything they want to do. I just want right. to make sure that they have considered all of the different options out there. And here's the thing too. If it's a good business idea and has legs and will work, they can get money elsewhere. Right, right. You know, Randy, I also think, you know, that's one of the things that we do here at Floyd Financial Group is we can be a sounding board for people that you know, say, hey, you have your kid that's wanting to borrow some money, you know, hey, what do you, what do you guys think about this, Randy and Jake? And I think, you know, we're a sounding board for all different types of things, but we've seen quite a lot in, you know, my you know, Randy's 20 plus years and my 16, 17 years in this business. And, you know, we can, we can offer some advice on that type of thing. If you, if you want it, maybe we can find a better way to help them without necessarily depleting retirement assets and things like that. There's a lot of ways to find money. And like Randy said, if it's a, if it's a sound concept and those types of things, then, you know, there, there's definitely ways to get it done. So I think we just want to avoid making major mistakes, especially with retirement money, where we're cashing out 
401ks and paying taxes to loan money out it can be very messy and and frankly unrecoverable if you if you get too far down that road so again we we're, we're happy to be a sounding board on on those types of issues as well so that's if you want to donate cash and even ahead of that you know decide who you want to donate this cash to it could be a family member a church a charity etc but cash is really not the only way to uh, do gifting i mean you could donate your ira you could donate your rmd i mean the tax code allows you to gift your rmd up to a hundred thousand dollars without paying any tax and that is called a qualified charitable contribution or a qcd and it also satisfies your rmd for the year you could have sent the entire hundred thousand dollars your local charity or church and paid uncle sam nothing in the situation but you'd all you can also gift through uh, life insurance premium finance gifting their cruts and crats charitable remainder unit trust and charitable remainder annuity trust and also endowment funds i mean there are just so many ways to gift other than just giving cash and again if you are of a charitable nature you would like to gift and do it in the most efficient way again that is something that you need to talk to randy and jake about as part of your portfolio 417-889-7233 is the number to call to talk about that or request your appointment online at floydfinancialgroup.com i want to wrap it up here the seven steps to a successful retirement today gentlemen with talking about a legacy plan and when i talk about a legacy plan i'm talking about who's going to get your stuff when you die i mean how does that work and we'll talk about a will or a revocable trust a medical power of attorney etc etc so you know let's go back to the basics i think most people think that well when i die a simple will is going to cover it all but i think that you have educated me in the past that a will means probate which means an appointment with the court is that right or wrong Yeah, for sure. I mean, basically, a will is simply instructions to the probate court, and the probate court goes through the process of proving that will to be true and valid, and they give their seal of approval, and then those things happen, but that takes time and money and legal support. So if we can, we want to avoid that. Now, let's be clear that on IRAs, on insurance policies, on property. There are ways to avoid any of that stuff ever seeing the light of date of a probate court. That's with beneficiary designations. Here in the state of Missouri, we have this thing called a beneficiary deed that will transfer property upon our death. Now, there's a couple of caveats with just using a beneficiary deed. Let's say that you have five kids, Jeff, and that you pass away and you leave your property to those five kids And in the state of Missouri, those five kids happen to be married. Now we have 10 people that own that property. Yeah. And now trying to figure out the disposition and what we do with that becomes a real issue because, you know, many times it's hard to get two or three to decide on something, let alone 10. And everybody has a different ax to grind and there are different points in their life. So it makes it difficult. So while uh, beneficiary designations on IRAs and life insurance is very easy, when it comes to family farms and things like that, even using a trust can sometimes be problematic. And what I mean by that is the trust will obviously, anything that it owns will never see the light of day of probate, whether that's an irrevocable trust or even a revocable trust, which becomes irrevocable upon your death. Uh, when we look at those at those things, some things that have happened to us, we had family farms that were passed to three different kids, and they all owned a one-third undivided interest. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, let's say that one of those people doesn't want a farm. Right. They just want the money. So what part of that do they get to sell, or what part of that 
do the other two members have to buy out if they want to farm? You know, so even when we do trusts and trust work, and we don't do us again, I want to be clear, I'm not a lawyer, Jake's not an attorney, but we have an attorney in the building that does this stuff. We want to make sure that when we write trusts, that everything is very specific and everything's spelled out really well. So, you know, sometimes we hear people say, well, I'm going to go online and create my own trust. And this is some of the stuff that sometimes people don't think about what kind of situations they're actually creating by how they might write these trusts. And, you know, trusts are just documents that basically have passed the test of time Mm -hmm. through the law practices stemming from English common law that talks about how things are to be passed. But the language thereof is can sometimes be more clear than others. And so we want to make sure that we are getting our intent accomplished and the experience of, you know, a really experienced elder law or estate planning attorney can help you to make sure you get language right and that you don't really inadvertently create circumstances that you really didn't mean to create. Right. And you want to make it easy for those people that you have left behind on this mortal earth. And I think that a proper will, a proper trust can definitely do that and definitely answer some questions. And I want to throw this in because I have known people who have unexpectedly passed away, unfortunately, and the people left behind, they think, well, he or she had a life insurance policy, but I'm not sure. I can't find where it is. You know, they had uh, bank accounts, but they were just in their name. I can't get a hold of any of that money. I don't know where the deed to the house is. If we've got a mortgage, I don't know if we own these cars, what it is. So it's so important to have a locator list, something that tells those left behind where to find things and even a list of usernames and passwords and accounts and that sort of thing, too. Is that something that you advise people on or or recommend that people have? Yeah, for sure. The other thing, you know, we do that. And the other thing is many times as we're going through this process, if we are many times we're in the same building with the attorney. So many times they're going to do the estate plan here and then we get to meet those folks. And many times we're managing the assets as well. So we sometimes can be the list keeper. And sometimes we are the list keeper. But we always want people to have something, you know, a fireproof box or a safety deposit box to put all those documents in. And yes, you know, if they have a trust, they're going to have a, a successor trustee that should know where all those things are and how to go about, you know, really getting their hands on all the important documents upon someone's passing. And like you said, Jeff, you know, nobody knows when that will happen. You know, every once in a while, we'll have somebody, and this happened to us just a few weeks ago. We had a couple come in, they were getting ready to retire. She was just, you know, in the final year or so of working. And between the time we saw them the first time and the second time, her husband passed away. Yeah. Unexpectedly. So we just don't know, you know, what tomorrow will hold for any of us. And then I I heard, you know, just recently I had another person, a client we've had for years and years and years. He was in the garage changing a light bulb, standing on a ladder, Mm. fell, broke his hip. His hip pushed up into his body. He bled out in the garage. boy. You know, so you just don't know what a day will bring. So I often tell people, uh, and I do tell people this all the time, if you're over 60, do not get on a ladder. You betcha. I'm sorry, Randy, I did it just yesterday, changing a light bulb. You should have told me the day before. But fortunately, I'm here to to, uh, tell the tale about that. We're talking with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group, and we've talked about the seven steps to a successful retirement. 
a retirement which you not only survive but also thrive and could last for 30 years. Once you remember this, Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group can help you with the three Ps, preparing your wealth so it supports you and your quality of life, prioritizing your wealth so it fulfills its purpose, and planning your wealth so the odds are in your favor. If you'd like to get in, sit down with Randy and Jake. No cost, no obligation, and certainly no judgment. We're all created equal on this earth as far as what we feel here at Floyd Financial Group. Get your plan by calling 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Please do it today. Do yourself and your heirs a favor. You can also request your no cost, no obligation, no judgment plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. We're out of time for this week, Randy. Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your time, Jake. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. 